you speak French or English and you want to learn more about the EU MDR, so register to the Green Belt Certification Program. This is a training where you will learn everything about the EU MDR 2017-745. So go to school.easymedicaldevice.com. School.easymedicaldevice.com. See you later. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about uh, other things than the EUMDR, other than Europe or FDA. We'll go to the um, Asian countries. So uh, we will try to help you understand how you can register your products in Southeast Asia. Uh, so, and for that, I have with me uh, Michael Weatherington. So uh, Michael is the founder of uh, medicalregs.com uh, and uh, he, he's also, he was one of the guests uh, of a previous episode about medical device testing. So uh, Michael, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you, Munir, for having me again. It's always exciting to uh, be able to be part of your podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Weatherington, as Munir uh, stated, I am the founder of medicalregs.com and uh, I was uh, involved with uh, Monier in the past podcast talking about medical devices, uh, testing and how to choose a test lab. Now we're going to be uh, doing 180 degrees and talk about yeah. ASEAN regulatory requirements. So for the, if that's in your radar right now, to, uh, which is a multi-billion dollar market, I, this, this, this will probably help you uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go ahead, Monier, and uh, yeah. uh yeah, Let's I think, try I think, to achieve some information. Yeah, I think I think this is uh, this can be also an important thing for for a lot of of uh, companies that want to reach some new markets and to understand then how difficult it is or how easy it is to uh, to reach those markets and um, those um, so those these new um, regulations in terms of um, uh, Southeast Asia uh, can help maybe to to reach those markets easily and we'll try to explain to you. Uh, so, Michael, um, maybe a, a first thing is um, what means, I mean, uh, we have, the, I mean, I had a lot of confusion before when we talked about Asian countries and here it's Asian medical device directive. So, um, it's not all Asia, it's really specific. So, what means Asian specifically? Yeah, I'll clarify that. I guess it's it's uh, how you say and how, if you see it spelled, I guess it, it, you can so it's not Asia, A-S-I-A, -S it's ASEAN, uh, the way I say it, and it stands for Association of Southeast Asian Nations. So that's what ASEAN stands for. So, uh, and it's a group of countries uh, that, that have agreed to, uh, with the ASEAN Medical Device Directive. So that's what they follow in terms of how they define medical devices, how they classify it, requirements for post-market uh, surveillance as well as quality management systems. So they all agreed on that, uh, and uh, but it does differ beyond that from country to country in, in different areas. So that will, hopefully we'll get to touch on some of those things, Monir. Yeah. Uh, the variations from country to country, even though they all agree 
with the ASEAN medical device directive, but when you get down to their local governments, there are, are it's like night and day. Uh, it depends on what country we're talking about. And um, okay. yeah, as, as you've said, so there is um, a certain group of countries. So can you give us some examples? Which country are we talking about here? Yeah, uh, some uh, some that are probably uh, that I can mention is Malaysia is one, the Philippines, Vietnam, Laos, uh, PDR, as well as uh, Cambodia. So all those countries, Indonesia as well. I can't remember everything on yeah. the top of my head, but yeah. So those are the the, the ones that uh, if they are in your target market, those countries will be included in that ASEAN uh, members. So um, it's uh, as you mentioned, it's a group of countries that agreed on a certain regulation. Uh, can we compare it to Europe or not? Because in Europe, it's the same. All the countries are following, if I can say, the okay. same regulation. But um, I don't yeah, know. That's a very good question. We can do a contrast between uh, comparing uh, comparison within the EU directive, let's say. Uh, so the EU directive, as we already know, that the, the member states follow the same directive or regulation now, MDR, right? Yeah. Well, in the same in the same sense that the ASEAN countries uh, follow the same regulations, but in, in that there are differences between the EU MDR, obviously, and the uh, ASEAN medical device directive. And, and I don't think we have time to get into the details yeah. of the differences. But the primary content of any medical device regulation, you, you have to have some quality management system, right? So you have, uh, so you have to have that 1345, uh, 2016 is uh, well recognized in this region, Southeast Asia uh, region. So if you have that already from other major markets uh, like the uh, EU, then in most instances that could be transferred uh, or be accepted uh, by that local government within the ASEAN countries or members. So yeah, so you, you have post-market surveillance, you, you have all those core uh, elements of a medical device regulation or directive that's also uh, common within the ASEAN member states. So. So, but uh, I, I think the, the main difference, because as we discussed about it, one of the main difference I've seen is the fact that uh, if I register my products in France, for example, I can sell it in Germany, uh, UK in, until January 1st, uh, Spain, etc. all the member uh, of European Union. But it looks like it's not the same in, the, in this um, Asian, uh, for the, with this um, ASEAN uh, regulation. Uh, it's more like they are following the same rules but at the end, if I'm registering in Indonesia, I cannot sell my products in uh, Cambodia without a new registration. It's like each country right. is independent. Understood. And, and, and one of the major differences is that for the EU, you have the CE mark, correct? So you have this single mark that uh, that is a testament that you have met all of the applicable requirements of the MDR so that when that comes uh, into effect. Whereas in the ASEAN, there is no single mark similar to the CE mark that, okay. is, that is acceptable throughout the region, Southeast Asia. So you have, uh, so you have to go through each of the countries. You have to uh, identify your local economic operators for each of the country that you want to market your devices within the Southeast Asian uh, member states. So, so it, that, that is one primary difference. It means that you can come with the same documentation, the same requirements, but you have to go to each country one by one to submit your, your dossier. Is it correct? 
That, 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 is, that is exactly correct. And, and let me go back to the ASEAN Medical Device Directive. I mentioned that's, that, that, that is the, the directive that all ASEAN member states agreed on in terms of medical device classification, formatting of the technical file, which, which is referred to as the CSDT. Uh, that, that is the format that is used to submit okay. your medical device technical file to, to each of the governments within the Asian ASEAN medical uh, markets. Okay. So yeah, that's where the commonality ends. And I, as I mentioned that the economic operators will have to be chosen for each of the country within that region. Okay. So and you're gonna have yeah. you're gonna have importer, authorized representative, distributor for the Philippines, for Malaysia, Indonesia, Cambodia, etc. So yeah. So uh, in terms of uh, the regulation, so as we said, the, the text is the same for all those uh, regions. Uh, if I want to go and register my products in Indonesia, for example, I will have to read, if I can say this, um, ASEAN regular uh, directive. So just to um, see exactly what uh, what is mentioned inside. Um, I have to build a dossier, everything, etc. So the same thing as what we are doing in Europe. Um, so right. how long do you, you, I mean, do you have some experience about the timing? So when I'm starting to register in one country, approximately how long it can take so that I can go through all the process? Right. Um, well, the submission to the regulatory authority for each of the country is, is pretty straightforward, uh, depending on where you're at, because there are a lot of variables that may impact the length of time. So, for example, depending on what country you have uh, zoning requirements, you have uh, language barriers, you got corruption that you have to deal with also that could contribute to the amount of time that it may take for a uh, med tech to, to get a final approval or clearance from that authority. But uh, I would say from what I've seen is six to 12 months okay. uh, as an average. If, if your documentation is perfect, looks good, you've covered all of the uh, essential performance or uh, requirements within the ASEAN Medical Device Directive, then it's, uh, it's just a matter of going through the process internally. But if there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of questions, you, you have a lot of gaps, you lack information and clarity on your submission, then of course, that's a given. It will, it will take it longer than normal. So six to 12 months is a good uh, time frame to get a, based on a simplified submission. That What that means is you have pre-market clearance or approval from the US or a CE mark uh, in the EU. So any major markets that each of the countries in the ASEAN recognize, it, it will certainly help you if you already have those. But if you can start from scratch, so if you're starting from scratch, it will take a little bit longer than 12 months, possibly. It depends, of course, as we know, it depends on the complexity of the device, you know. Yeah. So it means that, it means that yeah, if I coming, I'm coming with a CE marked product, it can take less time uh, because there is a lot of authorities that already reviewed these products and maybe uh, the, um, this would be a formality, I suppose. Uh, I mean, CE marking or FDA uh, or FDA clear uh, clearance for, for the product. So um, is, is it really like s still six months or we can reduce to three months or this kind of thing? Or it's like they, they, they are really making some, some deep dive investigation on, on this type of dossier? I don't know if I got all of your entire question correctly, but what I'm what I think you were asking me because you were, uh, I think it's a signal that's cutting on and off. But I think I what I got what you were asking. If you have a, a CE mark as an example, yeah, from from the EU, uh, is that automatically recognized within the 
one of the governments. So let's take Malaysia as an example, because we, we cannot just surmise them all as, as one uh, country, because there's some variations still. But some uh, the countries that you are targeting will have a list of major markets that they will accept pre-market approvals, clearance, or certification. And, and typically, that those countries are, are Japan, Korea, South Korea, United States, and the European Union. So those are your major markets that they will take the pre-approval certification or clearance that you have, and they will consider consider those as part of your regulatory submission for their government or their country. Okay. So, uh, yeah, um, there are some, uh, I want to caution because in Malaysia, as an example, uh, if you have a CE mark through a notified body, uh, such as BSI, as an example, or any equivalent notified body under the MDD or MDR, you have to be careful that the, the cab that needs to evaluate your CSDT or a technical dossier or file uh, is not the same as the one that CE mark your product because they do have, for example, BSI ah. as a location in Malaysia. So they, so in, in terms of conflict of interest, Okay. Uh, you don't want to choose the same notified body to assess your CSDT in Malaysia that, who happens to be the notified body that provided the EC certification under the CE mark for your device. So that's a conflict. You have to probably choose another one okay. uh, for, for a cab in Malaysia because the cab will have to evaluate your CSDT and give you a certificate, a certificate before you can submit to the local authority or the medical device authority which is the one in malaysia so i just wanted to put that as a note that you you i think if yeah if you happen to love bsi or any other notified body there's sometimes you have to part ways depending on the market that you're trying to target right so you uh in terms of uh conflict of interest so yeah no, so basically yeah you can do that in fact i think most of the customers we've had are are using uh, pre-market approvals from uh, uh, clearance from FDA and CE marking, and we just do a simplified um, uh, submission. We create the, the technical file based on their uh, technical information that they have submitted to the notified body in EU or uh, FDA. So we extract information from that, format it to the right formatting requirements. Uh, we follow, like most countries in the ASEAN will have a guidance document how to populate your CSDT and, and so forth. Yeah, but there are steps that you have to go through. Okay, so um, I think I think it's it's clear now. So if you can you can go um, from scratch as you mentioned, uh, so it can take six to twelve months, and you can go from already a CMR product or FDA clear, and then it can take less time. Or if it's recognized, it can be uh, immediate. So it's something interesting. Um, I wanted to come back to one point that you mentioned. Um, you said that um, then for each region or for each country you have to have economic operators. So like in Europe, so an authorized representative or an importer or a distributor if you are already in the country. So um, is it the same principle? So you have to have uh, an authorized representative that is representing you in the country in case of an issue of the product, uh, an importer that will receive the products and then distribute that uh, uh, in all the countries. So is it the same kind of principle that we have in Europe? Well, well, in the EU, right? You can you you can only you can have one authorized representative importer if you choose, right? I mean, distributor you can have many, 
by the authorized representative so long as they're located in one of the member states that's fine yeah. uh, that the, in contrast to that you have to have different ones for each of the countries within the ASEAN and and, and they also differ the the authorized representative importer distributor in Malaysia may be different than that in the Philippines because each 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 economic operators are governed by their respective governments so they have rules uh, requirements for for each of the economic operators they're typically listed in the uh, agency's database that they have been approved as a distributor as an importer as, as an authorized representative so they have to meet licensing requirements locally uh, for each respective countries they have to have uh, you know some some formal quality management system also even though they're an importer or distributor they have to have that in place as well based on local requirements for, for that so those are our key differences. So one, each economic operators for each country are different. They are licensed differently. They are licensed by the respective government and respective requirements. So it's not one for all. Uh, and they're all typically listed in the database where you, when one can go and search uh, for each of the economic operators or, or you can, there are some economic, economic operators that can function as all three. Uh, as an authorized rep, importer, and distributor. It all depends uh, on what your requirements are. Uh, okay. There are both advantages and disadvantages of having one entity to deal with that can function all three as a, all three economic operators, but there are some who choose individual because maybe, because as, uh, because some of the eco economic operators, for example, especially the importers or distributors, they're also selective. They don't automatically work with any med tech device. You know, they are if they have a special line of product that they only import or distribute, uh, such as a, a gamma camera or an X-ray or MRI, they're not gonna bother with a, a handheld, you know, a medical device or, or a portable home use device. So they have a specific line of products that they want. Uh, some of them are are firm about their pricing, import uh, monthly services to function as your importer function as a, uh, your authorized representative, but certainly there's room for negotiation. If you have the patience to really negotiate with them, what you will find is that they will eventually work with you. They'll find a middle middle point, but most of them will have a, a pre-made templates that here's what we provide to everybody else. You know, and then it's up to you if you wanna question it or you wanna make some changes to it. But you, 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 do, you do have to take that time if you wanna go that route. To, to make some changes in the agreements between you and the economic operators. So, yeah. I can imagine that um, it can be also um, struggling for a company to um, to go to each country and to try to find or to negotiate with an importer or authorized representative. So, um, as you mentioned, is there some companies that uh, kind of represent, um, have an office in all the Asian countries, uh, all the Asian regulatory uh, countries where we say, okay, I... Yeah with you and then you manage the whole region instead of me negotiating with one in indonesia one in malaysia one in thailand etc et right. is there some companies doing that there, there are companies uh, that perform those kind of services and medicalregs.com well we we almost have presence in in all of those southeast asian countries which are trying to fill them but the idea is because you really need uh people on the ground uh, some, some, sometimes you have to knock on doors to get things moving. Uh, so it's not something that you can do remotely. Uh, in, in most instances, you, you really have to be on the ground and, and go to, to the people that you're communicating with 
and really uh, uh, to make things happen. And what you'll find is that even if you try to do this remotely and be able to access all of the list of uh, importers, distributors, and authorized represent representative for a given country, you'll be overwhelmed by how many there are. Okay. So what you'll end up doing, what you'll end up doing is this: you have to narrow that down. That you have to narrow down the list to to maybe two or three out of a thousand. Let's say you have to narrow down two to three that you start communication with. How do you narrow that down? So you have to do a lot of investigative work. What are what requirements have they met? What are their company size, their financial status, what sort of medical devices? So there's a lot of email, phone calls that you will do for each and every one of them in order for you to narrow the, down the list to so that it's, that you can engage in a negotiation uh, agreement with them. So that's a lot of time that you'll spend. Uh, but if you work with people who's already been through that experience, we've done the uh, the narrowing down of the list. We know who's good, who's not good. We know who's responsive. We know who's got a who has a good pricing, who's flexible with things. Then it might be uh, a, it is an advantage for you just to go to that entity or person who's already gone through the motion of that, rather than you expending all those hours and time just trying to hopefully that you might find one that matches your needs or not. So, so it's best that you. You seek someone who's gone through the motion of things and finding the, the matches for the economic operators and knowing how to negotiate the contract, uh, be that sort of the middle guy that negotiates between the two, the med tech company, as well as the economic operators. So, it's yeah. good. so um, are you also taking care um, of uh, finding some importers and all those things or just representing the, 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 the companies in the countries? I'm sorry, you have to repeat that, uh, Munir, so, because you were I, cutting off a little bit. Yeah, are you also taking care of selecting the importers for each country uh, or helping to select that, or are you are just doing the authorized representative for uh, for each uh, each uh, country? Actually, we, we, we the primary function that we do in terms of the Southeast Asian countries is that we help med tech companies locate the best match for their economic operators for each of the country that they are wanting to market into. So uh, uh, that's one of the services that we do. We can help them narrow down the list rather than having yourself do it. It expend all that time and don't even know what you need to find, how to qualify the economic operators to narrow down the one or two that you can negotiate a contract with. Okay. We can step in because we, we have gone through that motion And we know who's not going to work with you based on your device type and, and so forth. So, um, yeah. So it's a, so it's a relationship. So it's a relationship really that you will be building with the manufacturer to really help them from A to Z uh, to register in the countries and to uh, represent them, to find the right partners and uh, yeah, to then be also the, the yeah. right uh, intermediary, if I can say, between the manufacturer and those, uh, all those partners in the region. That, that is that is correct. When it's a complete system, you, it, regulatory is just one aspect of it. You can't you can't really have a regulatory regulatory approval unless you've established these economic operators. And since you have a long term relationship with these economic operators, you you want to ensure that from the very beginning you you have a good match that you are in agreement with with the things that you're going to be working together with in the next three to five years and so forth. There are costs involved, of course, so you want to make sure you, you identify the, the right ones that matches your, 
your needs and objectives for your medical device. So yeah. And uh, let me also, uh, there's also, as you are familiar, there's EMC, there's FCC in the United States, where here they like, take Malaysia, for example, an equivalent uh, regulatory agency to that of the FCC in the U.S. is MCMC. Okay. Okay. So just because you have met the requirements for FCC in the United States or EMC uh, directive or 6601-1-2 doesn't auto automatically mean that, hey, it's automatically acceptable because you have to understand that each country may have their own uh, regulatory requirements in terms of intentional radiators. So okay. if you have Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, you know, they may operate at different frequency or certain bandwidths that they have assigned for certain sectors of the industry to be used. Or uh, if, if, if it's acceptable for them, they require additional documentation on the Bluetooth component, test report on that, make sure that it's not expired yet. So those are the, the, the specific details that most most people are probably not aware of that, you know, the test reports will have time limits on them, expiry dates, that some government within the ASEAN region will not accept if it's, it's, if it's about to expire. So okay. on a Bluetooth test report or Wi-Fi, you got to make sure that you, you got to have uh, the requirement of five years in some cases uh, of life in that report before it expires. Otherwise, you have to request from the Bluetooth manufacturer an updated report that shows the expiry date to, to, you know, that would have a five-year life on that report. As an example, yeah. I'm not saying that's universal, but that's one of the things you'll come across with if you're not completely aware of all the regulatory requirements outside of, you know, the uh, medical device. You have, you know, product safety, EMC as well, just like in most countries do, right, in the West. Well, those things you have to pay uh, attention on as well, just because uh, a standard may be harmonized, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's automatically acceptable. You have to make sure that if there's national deviations uh, for those standards, that you, you consider those from the very beginning. So if you know you're going to be marketing your device in the Southeast Asian region, uh, region you, you must consider those deviations in those countries that, uh, in Asia so that when you submit it for testing, they consider it up front. You're not, you know, you don't have any gaps or holes in your test report. Oh, you didn't consider a voltage. You didn't consider a frequency. You didn't consider some of the markings that we require in Malaysia, et cetera, uh, as an example. And certainly lab accreditation, it, a lab accredited as a notified body in the EU or an NRTL lab accredited in the United States is it, not the same accreditation as the one, for example, in Indonesia. Indonesia, as an example, will have their own accreditation uh, uh, requirements for a test lab. Some Tesla, major Tesla may already have that, but not all may have uh, the accreditation that the Indonesian government uh, may have or require. No, I think it's, it's so, clear uh, and, and yeah, we can understand that uh, um, even if there is one uh, one directive so, uh, for, for this region, there are still differences that are existing within each country. So it's something that yeah. uh, people have to understand, have to know uh, or get support from, uh, from you, for example, to, to do that. So to be able to also notice that before you start to go to a country and then uh, find that you have to redo a lot of tests, uh, which can make you 
lose a lot of time or a lot of money also. So I right. think it's really an important thing that um, that uh, you select the right partner for for for, for this type of uh, registration. And I think yeah, uh, Michael Weatherington from MedicalRex.com can really help you uh, help you for that. Okay, um, so um, I think yeah, we covered all what we wanted to talk about today. So thank you really, Michael. Uh, thanks also for people that are listening to the podcast. So uh, thank you for all the the messages. Just for uh, information, so I will be uh, I was nominated for the Topra Awards for the uh, for the this podcast. So thank you for Topra for the nomination uh, in the category communication. So uh, in November 19th, I think, if I remember well, uh, there will be the um, the ceremony. So to see if I won or not. So I'm in competition with two other uh, okay, people. Okay, that's, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so I, I will see. I will see if there is a really uh, a possibility to get this award because the objective is really that we can spread the word and say that uh, yeah, uh, with the podcast we can really educate a lot of people and if it can it can work for uh, for exactly. you, so it would be really great. So really, uh, really thank you for all the support and motivation. Okay, so um, Michael, so really no, thank yeah, you for that. I just want to add something real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, let, let me know uh, before I forget. I, I know that the podcasts are time limited and there's so much in the ASEAN uh, regulations. Uh, I wanted to share it with you and to your audience that I am uh, highly visible and, and almost spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. So if any of your viewers may want more specific answers regarding the ASEAN regulatory uh, world, I'll be more than happy to, to answer those questions because there's only so much we can share. It's actually so much more details than what I've shared with you. But at least as a general overview, uh, your audience will get some idea of, of the things they make and they can start preparing on, on their own. But I think uh, th there's a lot more to be, to be said about it. So, yeah, uh, all questions are welcome. No problem. So I will put anyway your uh, LinkedIn uh, profile on the show notes. So please go to the show notes. I will put the LinkedIn profile. I will put also the the ASEAN uh, regulatory, uh, the ASEAN directive. So uh, directly there. So with the link, uh, also a link maybe for the countries that are applying to that, so that you can have everything. But if you have any question, don't go, don't hesitate to go to uh, to Michael Weatherington on the LinkedIn. Uh, you will see the profile uh, and also the website of uh, medicalregs.com on the on the show notes. So don't hesitate to do that. Okay. So really. Thank Thank you, Michael. Really, thank you for your help and thank you for all the information. And uh, I wish you a nice day. You're, you're always welcome, Mona, and thank you for having me again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also, don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.